Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire Real Estate Agent Podcast. I'm Jason Abrams, and this is the place where we lift the curtain on the world of real estate like never before. Every week, I sit down with visionaries, pirates, and mavericks. We're here to document, demonstrate, and most importantly, demystify their game-changing models and systems. What secrets propel them to the top, and how are they living their dreams? This is about passion, it's about strategy, but above all, it's about real, tangible success. So buckle up and let's dive in. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Agent Podcast. Friends, I want to take you back because I'm old school kind of guy and I want you to think of a young, sprightly Jason Abrams sitting in the audience at a Keller Williams mega camp, listening to a woman on stage absolutely blow my mind. That woman was Wendy Papasan. Now, she was on stage talking about boundaries. And as a young real estate professional, this is something I knew nothing about. She was saying that there's a certain time of day where she doesn't take calls or work after that time. She then went on to say that she keeps her entire weekends for her family and my head exploded all over the person in front of me because neither of those things had ever occurred to me. You are about to find out how she did it. Now, what makes it all the more amazing is Wendy is a perennial $100 million plus producing team. She created a system to garner between 800,000 and a million dollars a year in commissions generated by agent referrals. And over the next 40 minutes, you're going to learn exactly how to do it. Friends, buckle up. This is Wendy Papasan. I am joined today by Wendy Papasan. Wendy, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Jason? I am well. Thank you so much for being with us. I am honored to be here. So you'd have to be living under the proverbial rock in this industry to not know who you are and all of the amazing things you're doing. You're one of the well-known names at our company and across all of them. I'm curious how you got there. Because it's so easy to look up and discount the journey because we all know the destination. So when you look back, Wendy, take us on the ride. How did we end up here today? Yeah, well, thank you for your kind words. That means a lot. Uh, well, I actually got into real estate as a real estate investor. So um, in 2004, when Jay Papazian, my husband, and Gary and Dave were writing the, mil the Millionaire Real Estate Investor, we decided we needed to do some investing ourselves. So um, I was actually a pretty successful real estate investor before I got my real estate license. And um, we did that first flip together. So Dave and Gary and I and uh, someone named Heather E. Russo, who actually started the video department at KW, uh, we did our first flip, and I think between the four of us, we made about two thousand dollars, and that did not include our labor. So <laughs> I'll take it. Was, it was a learning lesson for sure. And uh, at the time, uh, I had two kids right in a row; they were fifteen months apart, and so I quit my full time job, and I became the real estate investor for our family. So we did that, 
Yeah. What was the full-time job? Like, had you went to school to mm -hmm. learn how to invest in real estate or did that just came about because Jay was writing the book? What were you classically trained to do? Uh, I was trained in marketing. So I started my career in New York City uh, as a marketer and public relations. And that's kind of where I got my first uh, cold calling. I did a lot of cold calls in New York calling reporters and sending, faxing them. Back in the days, remember when we faxed everything? I do. And uh, yeah, so that's where I started. And then I actually was in marketing and in Austin for about five years uh, before I had my, my, my first son. So New York City to Austin, Texas, you weren't just necessarily then starting a new business. You were starting a new business kind of in a new town, it sounds like. Yeah. So Jay and I moved here basically because I loved Austin. So I'd, I'd visited Austin several times and we moved here. We didn't know anyone. Uh, we didn't have jobs and uh, we just moved here because we like the city, which is why when so many of my real estate clients say that to me, I understand that because it's just a wonderful city. Well, that's such a leap of faith. Walk me through that because some, for, for a lot of our listeners, they wake up every day with the challenge of overtaking the geographic area that they've grown up in. That's one challenge. But leaving, especially New York and coming to Austin, I can't even imagine, number one, the culture shock. But number two, you were you scared or were you just excited? What What were you feeling? Well, I think, you know, I'm not from New York, so I'm from Minnesota and I'd lived in a couple cities. You know, I'd gone to school in Madison, Wisconsin, and then I traveled around the world with my backpack for about 18 months before I moved to New York. That's where Jay and I met. And uh, we knew after we got married that we didn't necessarily want to start a family there or, or even be married there. Um, New York is an amazing place and we were really poor. So Austin seemed like a better choice. So yeah, so we just took a really long honeymoon. Uh, we took like a four month honeymoon and Jay and I traveled also around the world, like a Mediterranean honeymoon, which was incredible. And then along the way, we talked about cities that we wanted to move and Austin was at the top of my list. And so we actually flew down here from New York in January. And it was one of those beautiful January days in Austin where, as you know, we're experiencing them this week. It's amazing. And, uh, and so, yeah, we just fell in love with the people and the climate and the food. And uh, yeah, so we just made the leap. You had me right up until the food. Because if I'm comparing New York food to Austin food, I'm a kind of a New York snob in this way. But to well, each their own. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you get decide that you're going to get, you, you become an accidental investor. Jay's writing a book on investing in real estate. It's exciting. You get in, you do the first flip, couple grand. Was that enough profit to keep you interested in doing the next one? Well, I think we approached it as a, a learning lesson. But I think we also realized how hard it is to flip properties. And, um, and so then mainly what we started to do was buy and hold. So we have uh, multiple buy and hold properties all over Austin. And our actually first buy and hold was our first home. So we purchased our first home, lived in it for three years. And then when I got pregnant, we decided to move up. So it was really interesting because I can remember our second house was essentially a lateral move for us. It wasn't really a big leap forward. It just had more bedrooms and bathrooms. And I can remember our first tenants pull up in their BMW and they made more money than we did. And it was like a big aha moment for me because I thought, wow, here we are building our wealth and here they are like wasting all this money on rent and cars and things like that. So 
Why do you think more people, because I think the kids call it house hacking, right? This idea that they're either going to rent out part of it and someone's going to pay the rent or they're going to buy a primary and then turn it into a rental and buy another primary. Why do you think more people don't do that and they sell that home instead of hold it? Well, I think a lot of people just don't know. So the gift that we got, of course, was Jay was working at Keller Williams. That was Jay's second job, I guess, when he moved to Austin. And so someone at KW, I don't know who it was, maybe it was Gary or someone else said, hey, why don't you keep that house as a rental? You know, I think the established thing to do is sell the house, buy something bigger, sell your house, buy something bigger. And so we said, yeah, maybe we could keep it as a rental. So that's when I became a landlady. And I've been a landlady for 20 years now. And that house, which we still own, is quite remarkable. We bought it for about three and a half percent down. It was 175000 So we paid roughly $7,000 for it. And I figured out the other day, if you look at the debt pay down and the equity appreciation, we've made about $42,000 a year on that house. Oh my God. Uh, not, not, in, in, not in income, but in equity which is like taking $7,000 and turning it into 42, 20 years in a row is a pretty remarkable investment. It's almost a million dollars. Yeah, it's a million dollars. That's fantastic. I love that. Okay, so how do you make the jump from flipper landlady to real estate agent? When does that happen? Yeah, well, so um, when my oldest son started kindergarten, so he was five and my youngest was three, I decided I was probably going to need, you know, something else to do. And so Jay had been bugging me to get my real estate license for a while because he'd been at KW for 10 years now. Thought I would be great at it. And uh, so I ended up getting my license. I did it like a lot of people do kind of slowly uh, over the course of a year. And um, I had a really small goal that year. I mean, guess, guess how much my goal was that year. I can't. Well, you, you're the queen of the big goals. So I, what would you I know small one? it was really little. It was really little. So my goal the first year in real estate was to make $15,000. Oh my gosh. Okay. I would not have It was guessed. really small. <laughs> yes. Tiny. Yeah. But remember, I hadn't been, you know, working for five years. I hadn't been making many income. And so for me, $15,000 represented the ability to buy one more rental property. So I thought if I could make $15,000 in my residential real estate business, and I could take that and turn that into a rental. And um, and so turned out I was pretty good at real estate. I sold 18 houses my first year in the business. I made $85,000, which was more than I'd ever made from my W-2 income before. And uh, yeah, it was off to the races. So I sold 18 my first year, 21 my second year. Then I hired my first you know, kind of assistant and went to 36, 54, 90, 121, all the way up to our biggest year, which was over 300 houses. Did you hear what she said? She said that in her first year, she sold 18 homes. Then she went on to, to kind of tell you about all the years, but that's absolutely fascinating to me. And I don't want that to be lost on anybody because we have an audience, a really broad audience. We have people that are going to corporate jobs. We have people that are in college. I got an email the other day from a kid who's in high school and loves the podcast. Here's the thing, friends. This show exists to remind everybody that there's opportunities in life 
life that are too good to pass up. And residential real estate, commercial real estate, buying dirt, these are the ones that are too good to pass up. I hear all the time, I was bored at my job, I got into real estate, and boom, my wildest dreams happened. Here's my question. Who do you know right now that you know is being underutilized wherever they are in their corporate life, whatever job they're in, that you need to expose the genius opportunity that is real estate? Who's that person? Then at the end of this podcast, I want you to call them and tell them all about it. Every time I hear this, I left the job and it's the greatest decision I ever made. I'm reminded of one simple truth. Friends, life is what you make it. That's absolutely wild to me. And the thing, the audience doesn't know, but I want you, want you to tell them because I remember sitting and watching you. I was in the audience, you were on stage, Bigger Than Life, and you said that you had set clear boundaries for your time. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sure other people have said it, but I never heard it until you said it. And I still am not great at doing that. Talk us through the way that you thought about your time. Well, the gift that I got was, of course, that uh, Jay had been coming home from, you know, working with Gary and, and Keller Williams events for 10 years and talking to me about it. So I, you know, in a rudimentary way, understood the idea of creating a real estate team. And uh, Jay really encouraged me to get help at the beginning because I was a mom of a three and a five year old. And basically, you know, you know, Jay was working and I had the house kind of buttoned up at home and, um, you know, I didn't want to lose any of that. So I thought, well, I can basically what we decided to do was just to stay on Jay's salary. Okay, which I know not everybody has the opportunity to do that. But instead of, you know, scaling our expenses, we just decided to stay working on one salary. And so then I was able to use some of that money to invest in help. You know, so I got a transaction coordinator, you know, someone to do the contract to close literally that that first year. You know, if you asked me to close a property, you know, we right now we've we've helped over 2,100 families in the past 15 years. And if you asked me to do a contract to close, I, I couldn't do it because I've literally never done it. Wow. So then I hired that person and then I hired um, an assistant. And it, I probably, you know, everyone said I was hiring too early because I only had done $6 million worth of volume, which back then was, it was probably like, it was probably that 21 because our price point was really low. But for me, I thought, well, if I can hire someone, uh, you know, 30 hours a week. And so I saved up enough money to pay for that person for three months because I figured if I could buy my time back for three months, I would hopefully then be making more money, which is really what happened. And so by kind of having that seed money, honestly, is how I did it. And uh, yeah, and I really focused on gr how to grow a team. So I, I took all of the Keller Williams classes back then. It was called you know, recruit select. Now it's called career visioning. Um, I took that many, many times. I really focused on my leadership and that's how I was able to grow and scale and still have the opportunity uh, to, uh, you know, just do what I wanted to do and, and, and be more of a leader than really be focused on buyers all the time. So. Is the rumor that you said, I'm not working past a certain time and I'm not working on the weekends. Like, do, is that true or is that the no. rumor? 
Okay. Not really. No, that's impossible. You know, there were many early, early mornings. I'm an early bird. So I can definitely remember getting up early. And as you're building your business, there's just so many things you don't know. So you're, you're basically, you know, creating your wings as you're taking off. And, you know, what was great is, you know, recently, uh, about a year ago, I think, you know, we merged with the Gentry Group. So Gary Gentry, as many of you know, it was the first Keller Williams, still is the first Keller Williams agent, incredible person. And I just assumed that in our partnership, he would be the one teaching me and, and our agents everything. And I can remember that first week or month, he texted me at 1030 at night. And I just didn't respond. And the next morning I called him up and I said, hey, listen, we don't do that on our team. So if you have a question for me, just wait until the next day. So I was able to teach him after being in real estate for 40 years, how to have some boundaries. And in fact, everybody on my team, uh, because we talk about it so much, has has boundaries. So we all have times that we're going to put our phone on and be present. I had a great conversation the other day, we were, and you'll, you'll be hearing it in a future show. We were talking about boundaries, and this person said to me, my boundaries shouldn't hurt your feelings. My boundaries actually have nothing to do with you. My boundaries are for me. And Wendy, I had never heard that before. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well, I mean, I always said, you know, I never really did open houses because they were on the weekends. I love doing open houses, but I never did them. And then I would just tell clients, hey, you know, Sundays are forgotten family. So let's figure out another time to meet. I love that. If you can leverage yourself right away, then you can grow I think a lot, what, what happens is a lot of people just get stuck kind of on this hamster wheel where they can never take, they have, they, they feel like they have to hire and it's almost too late. You know, they're like stuck in the wheel and then they don't know what to do. So Gary told me that one of the reasons that happens is because people put too much pressure on their personal money. And so mm-hmm. they change and raise their lifestyle in complete accordance with the amount of money that they're making. And so as they make more of it, they spend more of it and they look up and they don't have the available income to hire the leverage. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really true. And that's why it was so powerful for us just to say, listen, we're going to continue to live on Jay's salary. And that allowed me to, you know, put down a down payment on our next home and allowed us to buy additional rental properties as, as my income grew. And uh, the great thing is now is Jay and I have multiple businesses that provide us income, but we still live off our W-2 income. So I get paid a salary on my real estate team and Jay gets paid a salary at KW. And then we have other businesses that give us income, but we the money that we live off of is just that W-2 income. Um, so, you know, we've, we've, never, we've never worked for money. You know, we don't work for money. Well, I love that. And and as you all know, yeah. Jay and Geary wrote uh, with with Dave Jenks, the, the, the millionaire real estate agent, which is the namesake of this show. And on the cover, it says it's not about the money. And yeah. you, you keep hearing this coming up as we talk to people that at some point, everyone realizes that. And the earlier you realize it, maybe the more money you'll have. Wendy, let me ask you this. Your, your, your team is a perennial $100 million plus enterprise. What is it that you all do really well? I mean, is there one piece of it that you look up and say, we're nailing that and and we want to teach everyone how to do it? Yeah. Well, I I will say that, you know, the great thing about real estate is you can succeed in many, many ways and you get to capitalize on the ones that make sense to you. So obviously uh, when Jay started, you know, when I started, Jay had been with KW and been working with Gary 
for you know a decade. And so I said, what about if we concentrate on some of the most connected people in the world, which are realtors? And um, I can remember the very first time I went to family reunion, it was probably 2010 or 2011. And um, I was meeting people, exchanging business cards back when, you know, we exchanged paper cards back then. And I was writing down everything that I remembered about that person. I kept the cards and I came back and I wrote a, a handwritten note to every single person that I met. And it was funny because I don't know if it was naivety or what, but I just assumed that everybody would be capitalizing on agent to agent referrals. So I sent out over 150 cards and assumed I would get like a tsunami of cards back, right? You, you didn't get really, any cards back, I'm guessing. No, I got one. <laughs> guess who I got? Guess who it was from? I can't imagine. You know her, Lisa Archer, who also focuses on agent to agent referrals. Yeah. So out of the 150 people that I met, only one of those people was actually, and I thought, wow, this is good. I'm going to kill it at this. This is so fascinating to me because Wendy thought that she was going to be inundated with people sending her back all of the handwritten notes. She thought she was going to get 200 of them. She got one of them from a dear friend of mine, Lisa Archer. Here's what's interesting about that. And Brendan Bouchard says it in his book, The Motivation Manifesto. He says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal though we do not live equal lives due to differences in will, motivation, effort, and habit, that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, but that it is incumbent upon each of us to be vigilant and disciplined should we wish to attain such a vital, free, and happy life. Friends, here's the line that gets me. We have differences in will, motivation, effort, and habit. What you heard Wendy just say is that she was blown away at the lack of either will, motivation, habit, or plum common sense that when you meet somebody at an event and you want to maintain a relationship with them, you do something about it. That's the true genius here. Here's my question to you as you're driving right now and you're listening. What are the simple moments in life that you're not taking advantage of? These are the moments that currently don't matter. By the way, for every other person that she met, that moment didn't matter because they did nothing about it. But you know the difference between a moment that doesn't matter and creating a moment that does? The difference is the way that you behave after the moment happens. She sent a handwritten note. What are you going to send? Think about this. So I think our top year, we made $850,000 in commission checks from agent referrals. That was our top year. Oh my and gosh. consistently since the beginning, it's been between 25 and 40% of our business. Okay. That's huge. So the initial, so the aha happens, you go to this real estate event, you collect a bunch of business cards, you send everyone a note, you get one back. You yeah. then see this opportunity. What's the model that you built to seize upon that mm -hmm. opportunity? Yeah. Well, so like anything, uh, think big and start small. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any, I didn't have any resource. I didn't have any help. So I thought, well, I'll just put everybody in my database and I will send them a monthly email. So I created a very simple system around it. And the email, the first email that I sent, all the emails that I sent were really simple back then. I just sent out an email that said like, hey, 
Uh, what was your biggest aha from family reunion? That's it. That's it. That's it. I got a tsunami of responses back because everybody thought I was just writing right to them. So then I would engage with them. And then the next month I would send out something else. So I don't know if you remember Agent Mountain. You were probably on it. No, I do. And for our audience, it doesn't remember. This was kind of the precursor to this show, which was Gary interviewed top agents and they talked about what they do well. And Mm -hmm. Wendy, do you remember like if you waited for that thing to come out? Because there, there was no social media. Like you, you couldn't get the secrets. You were waiting yeah. to hear it. Yeah. So I would send out an email. Like if, I, if I heard one that I really liked, I'd just send an email like, hey, I thought you would really enjoy this. Or, hey, I took this class on the showing assistant and I'm thinking about utilizing it. Have you done it? So those were like the emails. They were really, really simple. And the next event I went to, I added more people to my database. And then it's just kind of snowballed from there. And so every opportunity that we get to add agents to our database, we do. And it's just, you know, kind of taking our unfair share. I don't know if you remember, but uh, there's a class called uh, Franchise Systems Orientation. It's at Keller Williams headquarters, which is down the street from our office. And it used to be that they would put everybody in a bus And they would ship them down to our market center, our office, and uh, everybody would take a tour and kind of, you know, understand. So we've got over a thousand agents in our office and we were the only ones that figured out when FSO was coming and we would stand in the hallway. We'd put music on, blast Beyonce or whatever, and I'd have my whole team out in the hallway and we would either hand out things, get business cards, just kind of sort of entertain them as they walk by and people would give us their business cards and we would add them to our database. And so that's just like one of many, many ways that we've collected agent names and then, and then provide valuable content. I mean, so many times I get put on someone's email campaign and it's about their local market, which I don't, you know, I'm sure you're on a million of those. I don't care about it. Like, so I unsubscribe. So you have to create content that's good for agents. It's the, the beauty of this system and the simplicity. In it. And by the way, FSO is starting tours again. So you can let the team know. Ooh. I'll give you the dates. It's coming your okay. way here very shortly. Ooh, okay. Um, it almost feels too easy to be true, but that's why it's actually true. It's because it's easy. Gary says that the best things in life are the simplest, and yet everything naturally wants to become more complicated. So yeah. you're you're meeting anyway you're meeting people you're meeting them. That's step 1. Then I'm adding them into the database, which is step 2. I'm tagging them agent in some way. Then on a monthly basis I'm sending an email and it sounds like it falls into two buckets. Questions by which they're going to respond and I'm going to start a two-way conversation or value by providing something that's going to make their life better. Is that right? Yep. That's it. Yeah, and and I would say during COVID there was People were eating, reading their emails a little bit more. I was sharing some of my struggles and, you know, what I was thinking and feeling. And um, so I tend to get a lot of good response. Our open rate's over 40%. And we have over 10,000 agents on that list now. So the thing about the thing about that list, though, you have to constantly add to it because so many agents are coming and going across the country. How does it actually turn into referrals? Because, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people that are doing things and I always say, okay, well, tell me about the second to last mile. And they're like, well, what do you mm-hmm. mean? And I'm like, the point that it actually becomes a referral so I can go do the last mile. How do you turn mm-hmm. it into money? Mm-hmm. 
usually it's people either reaching out to us through our website or responding to the email or reaching out to me through social media. Or now we have uh, an inside sales agent that's calling all of our referral partners. So they're on a, we've just grown that, you know, as we've grown and yeah, they're just reaching out and saying like, Hey, you know, I know you, I know you, I know you're in Austin and, you know, would you take good care of my family or friends? And of course we say yes. That is fantastic. It is an amazing model. And the idea, again, that model makes you somewhere between $800 million a year. It's incredible. Yeah. And and what's crazy about it is, of course, we have to pay the referral fee, right? But it's really that referral fee is a cost of sale. It's not an expense. So we spend very little. There's very little uh, money that's spent to get those leads, you know, in terms of mainly email and then some events that we have and things like that. I think that's a no-brainer. I think everyone should be doing that. Wendy, I want to switch gears. Let me ask you this. You you and a group of people started a group called Her Best Life. Tell me the story there. What's the journey? Yeah. Well, so as I was growing my real estate team uh, and my income and business was doubling and tripling year over year, I got to this point where I'd you know, been in business for five years. I was making over a million dollars a year and I felt kind of lonely. You know, a lot of my friends were stay-at-home moms and they didn't have, they didn't share the same struggles that I did. So I joined an organization called EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a fantastic organization. Uh, Austin has over 150 members. And when I got there, uh, it turned out that about 90% of them were men. And so here I was with young kids having conversations and they kind of group you up in smaller groups of 10. And so I was interviewing with these different groups and having conversations. And I just felt like I had other, I had other things that I was struggling with that these guys weren't, you know, a lot of them had full-time stay-at-home wives and, you know, for sure I shared the business struggles and I just had other things that were almost in a way more pressing that nobody was talking about. So then I started, so I I basically left. It was an expensive investment. It was about $7,000 a year. So I quit halfway through and I created my own group, uh, which there's 11 of us in our circle. And we started to meet uh, every couple of months to mastermind. Uh, Well, really about twice a year to mastermind. And so that continued for about five years, I guess. Uh, We were doing that four or five, probably four years. And then in 2019, we said, you know, we need to take this to more people. So in April of 2019, we decided to have an event in September. And you can imagine there's 11 alpha females trying to put an event on with no administrative help. (laughs) So good. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine. At one point, I can't remember who it was. You know, maybe Sarah was like, wait, registration? Like, who's going to do registration? But it ended up being... Really, you know, when 200 people show up and they don't really know what they're getting into, you know, it just means we're feeling a need. So 200 women showed up in Florida. It was a very powerful event uh, focused on leadership, investing, friendship, connection, and, um, you know, kind of this idea of work-life counterbalance. Then 2020 hit. We had a great virtual event. 2021 was really powerful as we were coming out of covid 
And then um, we have several like memberships now. So we have a big event and we have a membership called the Empire Circle, which is the deep leadership dive. And that deep leadership dive is for women who were like me. They were lonely. They were really lonely and needed a way to grow their leadership. And they needed a way to figure out how to do the things they needed to do to be the best mom and leader and wife and you know, business partner that they could be. Um, and the best way to do that is to surround yourself with other people who are doing it at a high level, which you know. What's been you your know. biggest aha from that? Like if, if you could, because we, we have a diverse audience, but if you could teach us one thing that's either changed the way that you think about life or the way that we th- think about ours, that's mm-hmm. come from all of the people you've met doing that, what would it be? Well, I think leadership, whether you're a man or a woman or identify as a man or a woman, you it's lonely. It's very lonely because um, you don't always get to be friends with the people on your team as much as you want to. People will leave you for no reason after you've poured into them for years and years and years. And um, and so to have somebody that you can go back to and they can say to you, yeah, I, I get that. That is really hard. And you're going to come out of it better, stronger a better leader, uh, a better parent, a better spouse after doing those hard things is really powerful because otherwise you feel like quitting. Yeah. You know, Sarah Reynolds, and if you haven't listened to her episode and you're out there in in, in podcast land, go listen to that show. Because she, she said that she came to, I, one of these where there was 12 of y'all and she left angry because someone had pointed out the disparity of time that she was spending at home and at work. And the next day she was still angry. And the day after that, she changed her life. And it was the single most impactful two days she had ever spent. Yeah. We put her on the hot seat. That's for sure. Yeah. You put her on the hot seat. That's the way to say it. Well, I, look, if, if you're out there and you're looking for a community to tie into, I think Her Best Life, you can see it at herbestlife.com is absolutely fantastic. I've never been, but everybody raves. That's all I can wow. tell you. You're also on the Empire Builder podcast. And so this is, you literally sit around talking about making the biggest worlds that you can have. Yeah, it's the OG Keller Williams podcast. Uh, And uh, yeah, so that actually started in um, June of 2020. So as the world was falling apart. And so, yeah, so I get to learn from some of the smartest brains in real estate and to also have a lot of fun. And we cover the gamut, just like you do here. We talk about uh, hiring. We talk about knowing your numbers. We talk about investment properties. uh, We talk about just really everything, you know, fun Christmas gifts, whatever sort of floats our boat. And um, we just had so many conversations with people who listen to us and they feel like we did, you know, when I created uh, Her Best Life, which is like, they people feel lonely. And so to have uh, other people talk about the hard experience of being in real estate, because it is very hard. It's an extremely hard job. I mean, people don't really understand how difficult it is until they're in it. And there's constant changes, and especially these last four years. I mean, wow. It's, it's crazy. And so to have somebody out there who says, yeah, you know what? It's hard and keep going. Uh, you can do it. And I've been there and, uh, you know, you can do hard things. It's powerful. The thing I love about your podcast, that whole group, whenever I listen to it, I feel like I'm hanging out with friends. 
And as, yeah. as someone who's listening, it feels safe and it feels warm and it feels friendly. I love it. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. And everybody email Wendy to have me as a guest. And then there's a chance <laughs> that I'll be there. Wendy, All thank right. you. You poured into us. We want to invite you to join us in the lightning round. Now, we are going to ask you a series of dun, questions dun, dun. in quick succession. We want the first thing that comes to your mind. Is uh, that okay? And will you join us in the lightning round? Yes, I will. Excellent. Wendy, what is your favorite color? Purple. Excellent. What is your favorite sound? Hmm. Probably right now, it's my three-year-old niece laughing. Stop the lightning round. Isn't that the best? When little- So sweet. It's the greatest thing in the world. You know, you're, you're the third or fourth person to say, that must be the best noise. Yes. It's the best so sweet. When the, when yeah, the little so people sweet. belly laugh and their hands shake. Okay, back into yeah. the lightning round. What yeah. is your favorite movie? Um, I know you told me I was going to ask this, but I didn't prep for this one. Favorite all-time movie? Chase the movie buff. I'll say we did just watch Godzilla recently, the new one. It was very good. Who so. saw that coming, friends? Godzilla, you heard it here first. <laughs> favorite food? And you're a foodie, so I know that's hard. Favorite food? Yeah, anything from Odd Duck, my favorite restaurant in Austin. If you haven't eaten at Odd Duck, there it is. Is there a book, and I know there's so many, but one that you would tell everyone to read? It doesn't have to be a new one, but just one that you think would honor everyone who picked it up. Well, I have to say the one thing. It's probably the book I've read the most. Uh, I had, you know, Jay and Gary worked on that for five years, and I got the benefit of reading all those Early drafts, you know, even those that were twice as long as they were. And it's just sometimes now I will just pick it up and read a chapter and it helps me focus. I love that. Is there outside of the podcasts that you host and this one, of course, and anyone that Jay is on, is there a podcast that you listen to? Is there a voice in your head that you like to have? So there's one that I've been listening to recently. It's uh, with Rachel Rogers and Nathan Barry. Uh, Rachel is the founder of Hello7, and Nathan Barry is the founder of ConvertKit, and they have a podcast called Billion Dollar Creator. Okay. Really good. There it yeah, is. Yeah, really I'm not, good. I'm going to check yeah. that one out. Now, you yeah. are, this is the last question here, you are a wild world traveler. And so I would never ask you to pick your favorite place, but I will give you a genre. Wendy, pick mm. the place that you think is the best beach vacation. Ooh. Well, the first thing that came to mind is, is we got to go to the Galapagos Islands, and which was pretty special. We were on a pretty small boat, and then you sort of drive around at night and you wake up next to this next island. So it's not exactly a beach vacation, but... You get to walk around in the sand and see all of the blue-footed boobies and all of that. It's pretty magical. We will take it, friends. There you have it, Wendy. Thank you for being an inspiration to so many and a mentor to me. We and I specifically am grateful. Well, I'm grateful for you, too. You do so much for so many. There it is, friends. Wendy Papazan, you heard it here. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Did I tell you or did I tell you? I mean, how good is that? And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, Jason, there was only a few steps. How could it be such a powerful system when there's only four steps? It's because that's the absolute purest system you are ever going to hear. Number one, go and meet 
real estate agents outside of your market that you want to do business with. Number two, add them to a database in a sequential way. Number three, you're going to be sending them one email a month, and those emails are going to fall into two buckets. Number one, a short question that they can answer. Number two, an item of value. And then the last step, every now and then pick up the phone and be heard Remember, people do business with people they like. You want the secret to what Wendy just told you? It's that. You see, Wendy is waking up every day working on being more likable to more people. And the way that she explains it, with, with, with such humbleness, as if she somehow stumbled onto it. Friends, all she stumbled onto was the secret to influencing people. People do business with people they like. Our job is to be more likable more often to more people. Go and do likewise. Thanks, everybody. There it is. That wraps another episode. Friends, I don't know what you're taking out of this. I really don't. I'll tell you what I want you to be taking out of it, which is these are the people that are having tremendously big lives. And the reason it's happening is because they're setting up the models and systems to do just that. Gary Keller told me that leadership is teaching people how to think so that they do the things they need to do when they need to do them so that ultimately they get the things they want when they want to have them. And that's what I want for you. You're all leaders, but it begins with leading ourselves. If you're enjoying this podcast, I want you to click the subscribe button anywhere that you get your podcasts. We want to be the voice in your head every single week. And every week we're dropping new content. We also send out a newsletter at the conclusion of every show to make sure that you get the highest points and the models and systems that were discussed. So if you want to sign up, I need your name and your email address. Head over to the millionaireagentpodcast.com. Millionaireagentpodcast.com. Enter your name and your email address, and every week that newsletter will be in your box. Friends, you just went on a journey. I hope that what happens between now and the next time we meet is absolutely wonderful for you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information. 